Hello and welcome to Sisonke Voices of Reason. My name is Kwezi and I'm really excited to take you on this journey with me. Sisonke is a platform where we meet and discuss issues that affect us as the youth with the purpose of sharing our experiences, views and beliefs. Here we will continue to have these conversations and get different perspectives from each other. I truly hope that Sisonke will help us heal from our known and unknown traumas and that we can become a healthier generation mentally, emotionally, and financially. Because after all, Sisonke, we are in this together, and we're more than just a community. We are family. Love and light. Hi, everyone. Welcome to tonight's session. Tonight, we are discussing mental health in the workplace. But before we get into the whole mental health in the workplace, I just need us to refresh and talk about what mental health is and then I have a few stats on mental health in the workplace in South Africa that I got from ASADAG. So I have a few notes, don't mind me looking down every now and then. So it says one in three South Africans experiences mental health issues and only 75 to 80% goes untreated. So they're only able to help 20%. And then we have a limited um, number of mental health care facilities in SA, which means that e mental health is underrated and we know most of the facilities that are available are for people with medical aid and the people that depend on e-governments don't really get the mental health care that they need. And I think that's why usually we find people walking around distracted and we think these people are crazy. Then it's because they couldn't get the help that they need. So 24% of people experienced one or more of these cognitive symptoms the last time they had depression, trouble concentrating, indecisiveness, and forgetfulness. So this is all depression in the workplace. Then it says 50% of those who have been diagnosed with depression have taken time off at some point because of their depression. On average, people with depression took 18 days off work due to their depression in South Africa. Only a quarter of managers felt that they had very good support in dealing with employee depression. And then it says, let me read one more because there's a lot. 54% of people who experienced depression said they took more time to complete simple jobs while 50% made more mistakes than usual at work. And we can understand why, because monic depression, obviously, your brain does not work as normal. And then e-mental health, I just wrote down a few uh, definitions. Mental health is clear-sightedness. It's feeling like your mind is clear. You can think clearly, you have a purpose and your mind is working optimally and it's functioning 100%. Even though it's not 100%, it can be like 70%, but we are born with you can feel like your mind is healthy and you're positive. You don't compare yourself to other people you recognize that it's okay to make mistakes and you know it's okay not to be okay. So mental health for me in the workplace is being in a space of not feeling overwhelmed. It's feeling like you can manage your time. It's feeling like you are sane. It's feeling like, okay, you know what? Actually, I know what I'm doing. It's feeling like you are able to prioritize your tasks. You're able to focus and you're able to concentrate and you don't feel like you can't breathe because you have a lot of pressure and you have too many deadlines. 
And then I also said it's being able to plan and communicate and also being able to manage expectations. So for me personally, I work in advertising and advertising is a very, very deadline orientated uh, department. We, we literally work on deadlines and it's deadlines only. So it's very fast paced. It's literally every day feels like we're running. So mental health for me at work is very important because if I don't take care of my mental health, then I'm going to go crazy. And there's this thing called burn out. Burn out is when you are emotionally tired, you're physically tired, you're mentally tired, and it's caused by basically overworking and not taking care of yourself and feeling like when you're acting to superheroes, you know, my superpowers, you don't take lunch, you don't knock off early, you just wanna keep working and working and working. And then you get to a point where your body feels like you can't take it anymore. So I think it's important for us to take care of our mental health so we don't get to the point where we are burning out. And personally, Mina, for me, I feel like I'm on the edge. Either I'm on the edge or already there, but I'm at a point where I feel like I can't do this anymore. I am very, I'm drained. And I've been saying this for the past few weeks. I've been saying I'm very tired and I didn't know what it is until today I was reading about it burnt out. Then I realized, oh, wow, I think I'm, I think Mina burnt out because I'm so tired. Even when I'm at work, I'm working, but I'm just like, you know what? I, it's, I, I don't care. <laughs> I care, but I don't have the passion that I need to do my work the way I would have been doing it if I was not feeling this tired and this strained. So um, but then I wrote down a few uh, points about work-related stress. Uh, work-related stress is a major cause of occupational Ill, Ill health, poor productivity, and human error. This means increased sickness, absence, high staff turnover, and poor performance in the organization. Obviously, if you are stressed and you are overstressed, then you miss work, you get sick. And Bati, a few illnesses that can be caused by work stress is heart diseases. You can have back pains, you can have headaches, you can have stomach aches, and you can have other illnesses. And it can also affect you psychologically, which can lead to anxiety and depression. It can lead to loss of concentration and it can lead to poor decision-making. And then there are a few things that I listed that can cause stress in the workplace, which could be relationship problems between your boss or your employees. And I'm sure we all have, we know how it feels like to either have a difficult boss or to feel like there's tension between you and your colleagues, because then, you know, you don't, first of all, you don't even want to go to work because you know that I don't want to deal with this person because either I want, I'll ask them to do this and they won't do it. Or my manager keeps giving and giving and giving me work. And when I try to explain that I can't do it, they don't understand, but it's important for us to create environments where we can have conversations, where we can sit these people down and explain to them how they're making us feel and discuss how we can make the relationship better. Because at the end of the day, we are there to work. We're not there to make friends and we all have goals that we want to achieve. And at the end of the day, the work needs to be done. So sitting down and having these conversations, how can we do better? How can we work together to, to achieve the goals that we need to achieve? And then another thing that can cause work stress is 
not being able to balance your work and your family life because maybe you have a lot of responsibilities at home or you have issues at home that are affecting your work but it's important to ask for help if you need help or to find someone that that you can talk to who will listen because people can always give you good advice um then another thing that can cause stress at work and this i can relate to because this is this is my life on a daily basis is high demand for performance unrealistic expectations put unhealthy and unreasonable pressures on employees which can cause a lot of stress excuse me increased workload extremely long hours and intense pressure to perform at peak levels all the time for the same pay can leave employees feeling physically and emotionally drained. It's important that we take time off and we discuss um, expectations with our managers. Because um, like for me, I, well, it's not necessarily wanting to be a hero, but I'm just gonna put it like that. But it's a matter of being an overachiever. So I want to do 500 million things so I know what's yes. You know, I've conquered. I'm going to read Nombuso's comment. She says, I feel like toxic positivity contributes to poor mental health, which affects our work performance. Yes, it does. It does. Because toxic positivity is basically, how do I explain toxic positivity? You are, you are feeling negative, but you don't want to acknowledge their negative feelings and your negative emotions, but when you want to keep forcing yourself to look at this in a positive light. And the toxic positivity, it causes a resentment. So it does affect, like how Nombuso is saying on the comments, it does cause e e tension and it causes resentment as well because Yes, I know I'm suffering, I know I'm struggling, but I keep wanting to focus on all the deadlines that I achieved, that I accomplished. But what about the things that are causing me stress and they're causing me headaches and I'm not sleeping at night because I, I, I'm, I'm switching off my laptop at work, but I'm not switching off mentally. So I think the toxic positivity is one conversation that we need to have fully, Jane, have a whole hour and discuss the toxic positivity. Okay, um, then I want to give us, or I want to share a few tips for staying sane at work. And if you guys have some, please, can you also add? Uh, tip number one, it's important to ask questions. I know sometimes some people feel like when you ask a question, then you look, you look stupid or you look like an idiot, but rather ask the question, then when you are either given a task or when you are given an instruction or a request, ask the question then, instead of um, trying to figure out what the person is saying, going, doing something that you think is what they wanted and then realizing that's not what they wanted because then you really look like an idiot because why didn't you ask? Plus you might lose time trying to figure out what this person is saying and then doing what they didn't ask for. So it's important for us to ask questions. Then tip number two, is have a to-do list. It's important for us to write down every morning when you get to work. I'm supposed to get to work. Eight o'clock, I sit down. Okay, what do I need to do today? I need to do one, two, three, four, five. Then I look at that list and I prioritize what's more important or what's going to take me the longest time to do. Okay, what can I do? Do I have to do all these things today? Is there something that can wait until tomorrow? 
because then when you have a to-do list, it also helps you manage your anxiety because you, you can see the things that you need to do. And it helps you to, if you need to ask for help, or if you need to get help, then you know, okay, I have all these things to do. You can go sit with your manager or your colleagues and say, okay, guys, this is, the, the, this is everything that I need to do. And none of these things can wait until tomorrow. So I need help with one, two, and three. But if you don't have a to-do list, then when you're just going with the flow. And it's the same as not having goals because you're just going. And I think having a to-do list also helps with feeling productive because whenever you take that you take on your list the things that you've done, you actually feel a sense of accomplishment because you know, wow, actually, wow, me achieve man. Even the next day, if if there were things that your manager wanted you to do that you couldn't get to, and they ask you, Wuti, how, why didn't you do this? What were you doing? You won't sit down and feel like, oh, really, what was I doing? You can go back to your list and say, I did this and this and this and this. And that's going to help, I think, with managing the expectations and knowing exactly what you're doing. And I think it will also help you realize if you're doing more than you're supposed to be doing, because maybe you're doing things and it's not, it's not part of your job and you keep doing these things. Maybe at some point you can even negotiate a salary increase because you, you can say, guys, this is the things that I do on a daily basis. But Mina, these are the things that you told me I'd be doing, you know? And then tip number three is we need to take breaks. We need to drink water, and we need to take walks in between and go to the loo. I am guilty of not doing any of these things because I just feel like I'm a superhero. And I need to change because taking breaks is important. Drinking water is, the only thing that I do on my on this list is I drink water. And it's important to have something to eat and in between have healthy snacks that you can, that you can snack on because they can help with uh, improving your concentration and your memory. Things that we can snack on or foods that we can snack on that are healthy are strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, yogurt, mac crackers or provita. You can have walnuts and you can have almonds or you can have any, any type of nuts because nuts are good for your brain. Then one important, important factor that, that I think we all need to work on is especially in the workplace. I know we've spoken about this before in life, but I think in the workplace, it's important to know your triggers and to manage them. A trigger is any stimulus that you perceive as stressful. And a trigger can be a person, it can be a place, it can be a topic, it can be an event, or it can be a situation. When you're triggered, you are often not able to concentrate and you might be unproductive because you're upset. So for instance, let's just say my trigger is being shouted at and I don't know that my trigger is being shouted at. So whenever someone phones me and they shout at me, I get triggered and you know a trigger by how you feel after that thing happens. So like for instance, if someone shouted me, obviously I'll get annoyed. I'll either want to, you know, shout at the person back or I'll want to get up and put the phone down and take a walk or something. So it's important for us to know these triggers because when you know your triggers, then you are able to control how you react to that trigger. Let's see, Sanele made a comment. Entering the work premises is a trigger on its own. <laughs> that's an important, that's an important um, point because if entering work premises is a trigger, then it means your whole day is, is, 
is, I don't know. So you need to ask yourself, why does it trigger you when you, when you walk in? Is it because you have annoying colleagues? Is it because you have an irritating boss? Is it because you hate your job? Is it because um, you felt embarrassed once upon a time and now whenever you go back to work, you get triggered? And something like that can't control you because if you're triggered by going to work, then it means you'll never be able to enjoy going to work because as soon as you enter the gates, then when available, you're triggered. So understanding your triggers and knowing what lies beneath the reaction gives you control over certain situations. And you will know that you are triggered when you feel your heart racing or you might have shortness of breath, you might feel hot, you might feel like you're losing your train of thoughts or simply just by getting upset, you know you're triggered. And it's very important to know your triggers because when you don't know them, I remember the one time my manager, I think she shouted at me, yes, she shouted at me and it was something that, I, that had nothing to do with me. And I was so, so triggered, like I was so triggered. And I had to, like, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't even know what I was going to do or what I was going to say at that point, but I had to tell myself to stop and keep quiet and walk away and go to my office. And I, had, I sat down and I was like, I am so annoyed. But I don't even think I was annoyed. I don't think, I think I was triggered, but I didn't realize I was triggered until maybe a few hours later when I sat down and I asked myself, why am I so upset? because it's not that deep and it's not like she really, really shouted. It was not that deep, it really wasn't. Then I realized, but no, man, I was triggered. Then I asked myself, why was I triggered? Oh, because she shouted at me. But what's wrong? Why, does, why do I get triggered when someone shouts at me? Because I feel stupid. Why do I feel stupid? You know, so you have to keep asking yourself these questions until you get to the roots of the problem. So you can, so you don't keep feeling like that each time that that something like that happens so um i have an exercise i've got an exercise of how to manage our triggers we need to ask ourselves whenever you are triggered ask yourself what is the trigger and how does it make you feel the trigger is uh, in my in my example being shouted at is my trigger how does it make me feel it makes me feel stupid what is, the, what is my typical reaction to the trigger and what behaviors would others observe? My typical behavior is just walking away. Whether you want to carry on talking or whether you want to carry on shouting, I'm just going to walk away and let you be. Um, identify the story you tell yourself that makes it worse because when someone does something, there's already something that you tell yourself when, like in my case, um, what is the trigger? She's shouting at me, what's my behavior? I'm walking away. But what is it that I'm telling myself? Why is she shouting at me? Because yes, she's shouting at me because there was a mistake or on one of our leaflets. But what am I telling myself? I'm telling myself that I'm stupid. That's why she's shouting at me. And that's not the case. So once you know what the story is that you're telling yourself, then you need step four, you need to change that story. So I'm not stupid. I might have been busy or yes, I make mistakes or I'm very smart, but I can make mistakes, you know? So you need to find, you need to find a story that you tell yourself that opposes this, the story that you told yourself in the, in the previous step. So step one, know what the trigger is and know what it makes you feel like. Step two, what is your typical reaction to the trigger? Step three, identify the story you tell yourself that makes it feel worse. 
Step four, write a few words that you tell yourself that are positive and oppose what the previous story was. Um, I'll, I'll actually create a little post thingy with all these steps because I think it's something that we need to have, Jay. And we also need to have work journals, guys. I learned this recently. You need to have a work journal, which will help you write down your thoughts or vent. Because like in this case, if you were triggered by someone, you could go to your work journal and write, I am triggered. What is the trigger? This is the trigger. And knowing all these things and being aware of all, all, all our triggers and being able to journal our thoughts allows us to have a choice on how to react because next time someone shouts at me, I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to get angry because I know this, you know, man, I actually get triggered uh, when someone shouts at me. So I'm able to not even pay attention to it when someone does that. I'm just like, ah, it's fine. They're shouting because they are angry or they're shouting because they don't know how to communicate, you know? So the more you are aware of your triggers, the more you're able to control how you behave. Then another tip of how to stay sane at work is we need to set boundaries. So setting boundaries is a whole topic on its own. I have points that I wrote down under setting boundaries. And when you set boundaries, you need to realize that setting boundaries, first of all, is being able to say no. And when you're able to say no to others, then that means you are saying yes to yourself because saying no to others means you are saying, I won't be able to do this. So I'm allowing myself the chance to not force myself to do something I either don't want to do, I'm not able to do. Um, it's important to listen to your body and listen to your mind. Take sick leave when you're sick. Take annual leave to rest. Take mental health days uh, for mental health. I, I learned recently that there's mental health days. There's actually companies, I think in America, that give their staff mental health days where when someone feels like, you know what, I need a break. They just phone in, in the morning, hi, I need a break. I'll check on my emails here and there, but I'm not mentally okay. I'll see you tomorrow. I just need to regroup. It's important to be able to do that because when we're not taking, when we don't take care of our heads or our minds, then the, the body starts crashing. And I think for me, like I said, I was, I, I felt like I have it burned out. I was already feeling like my neck was sore, my chest is sore, my stomach is sore. And because the problem starts here, then the body starts giving up because really, this is where everything starts in any case, it's, it all starts in the head. Then when setting boundaries, going back to setting boundaries in the workplace, uh, you need to be able to set, set social boundaries, which is not, it's basically being able to teach people what conversations you want to be a part of. So if you don't want to be interested, to, to, you don't want to be involved in, um, sorry, if you don't want to be involved in gossip, then you teach people, please don't involve me. When you guys want to talk about other people or people's lives, please don't include me. It's very important to not engage in gossip in the workplace because you might just be find yourself being a part of drama that's unnecessary. We need to learn to set emotional boundaries. Don't allow someone else's bad day to affect yours because sometimes when other people are having bad days, then they feel like it's okay for all of us to have bad days. Sometimes you'll see someone at the printer screaming and shouting. It's okay to just walk past and pretend like you didn't see. I'm not saying be evil and 
don't ask people if they're okay but sometimes you can just see good see today i'm not i'm not able to be supportive to this person emotionally i hope they're okay or you can go and check on them when they've come down because sometimes you know negative energy can be it can be contagious so you don't want to keep absorbing other people's negative energy and then delegate be able to delegate or ask for help it's important as a part of a boundary to be able to say this list is too long i won't be able to manage so i need help with one two and three and like i said when i was talking about writing a to-do list it helps you see what's more important so when you have the to-do list then it will make the delegation part very easy you need to know what your personal boundaries are you need to know what your limits are before you're even even going to be able to teach other people what your boundaries are you need to know what your own boundaries are and then you are allowed to say no to extra work when you won't be able to get to it and saying no is not being not doing it in a disrespectful way or in an unkind unkind way but you are able to say I won't be able to do it today uh, because I have one, two, and three. Can I do it tomorrow? Or is it possible for you to give this to someone else because Mina, I already have this, these things that I need to do? And one last thing, it's important to communicate. I, I can't explain, I can't, I can't emphasize communication. You need to communicate if you're not going to be able to, to, to do certain things, you need to be communicate. You need to communicate if you don't understand certain things. You need to communicate if you need help. Communicate if you are able to help other people. Just communicate, communicate, and communicate. In conclusion, I think it's important, especially after COVID, it's important for employers to start making mental health a priority in the workplace because a everyone is going through it everyone now has anxiety that we never had everyone now has anxiety issues that they didn't even did i just say anxiety again depression issues that they didn't realize they had or everyone is now besides the fact that we didn't know we had these issues we are now attending to these issues because of what we went through the past two or three years. So I think it's important, I don't even think it is important for employers and managers to start putting systems in place in organizations and yeah, in organizations that allow us to feel like we matter, allow us to feel like, guys, you can take a day off if you're not feeling okay mentally because we've went through a lot. People lost jobs, people lost relatives, people lost you know, people lost a lot. So employees now need and expect sustainable, mentally healthy workplaces, which require taking on the real work of culture change. Employers need to put employees' mental health first to ensure productivity and motivation. We now require more vulnerability, compassion, and sustainable ways of working and we need to destigmatize mental health and mental health issues in the workplace as part of the culture shift. And I think this whole thing of the culture shift can also start with us because the more we have these conversations, then the more our employers are aware of these things because yes, they are aware, but they're probably just brushing it under the carpet because they think I, and because most of them are part of 
the previous generation, they don't realize how much these things are affecting us. So the more we talk about it and the more we have these conversations, the more we make them aware that mental health is a thing. And if I'm not mentally stable and I'm not okay, then I won't be able to concentrate on my work, which means I'll start making mistakes or it means I won't be productive because it's going to take me 10 times as long to, uh, to, to finish a task. And if I was mentally okay, I would have finished this in one hour. But because I'm not, I do this and then I leave it, then I do this, then I leave it, then I try to, to focus, but I'm not able to. So I think employers need to realize how important mental health is. And we need to destigmatize, like I've already said, because a lot of people still make mental illness look like it's something to be ashamed of, or oh, this person is seeing a shrink and shame this person is crazy. We need to stop looking at things like that because it's a thing and it's affecting a lot more people than we realize. But because people are not comfortable with having these conversations, people are killing themselves, people are committing suicide, people are resigning from work, people are even choosing to, be, to stay at home and not have a job because people can, just can't take it anymore. So if we have places we can go to at work, for instance, and safe places like how we have the, the support group, if we can have places like that in, work, in workplaces, then we can be able to, you know, talk about these things and share our experiences or share how we deal with certain issues, especially issues of mental health. But I think that is all for today.